Well, brothers and sisters, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and take them and find the prophet of Jonah. If you find Micah, you have gone too far. Just one book back. Uh, While you turn there, I'll say a few words of introduction. A young boy sits in his room and is playing a video game. It doesn't go how he expects. He yells, throws the controller, and curses the heavens. A young girl stands in front of a mirror, unhappy with her complexion, and she begins to feel anxiety and frustration rise as she contemplates how she was made. These are common things in our world. We live in an angry and frustrated world. And often we ourselves, even as Christians, are angry and frustrated. Our ultimate frustration and the object of our anger, if we were to actually get to the core of that object, is that we believe we could arrange things better and do better than God Himself if we were in control. It's pride immeasurable. And I wish that you and I could not identify so much with the prophet of Jonah. But sadly, we are perhaps all on the same plane. Today, we see anger and frustration, unmet expectations in how life, quote-unquote, should go in the prophet of Jonah. And though we often desire to be the ruler and, and the controller of our own lives, we learn that God in His gracious sovereign authority is working through our afflictions and drawing us to Himself over and over again to teach us that His ways are better than our ways. And so we all struggle with life, but let us hear God's counsel to us from the book of Jonah. Let me pray yet again, and we'll read Jonah chapter 4, verses 1 through 4, and we will dive in. Let's pray together. Our gracious God and Heavenly Father, What a gracious privilege it is to have the Word of God. We pray, open our eyes that we might see wondrous things in this Word. And cause our hearts to rejoice in its message. Not of our fall, but of our Redeemer. We pray, come and preach a much better sermon to our hearts, and lead us to our Savior, for the glory of His name. Amen. Jonah chapter 4, the word of the Lord, verses 1 through 4, hear it as such. 
But it displeased Jonah exceedingly. And he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Therefore, now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, Do you do well to be angry? Amen. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the Word of God endures for every generation. May He write its truths on our hearts. Well, brothers and sisters, today I have a proposition and two points for you. The proposition, consider the grace of God. Consider the grace of God in the anger of Jonah. And consider the grace of God in the patience of the Lord. Consider the grace of God in the anger of Jonah and consider the grace of God in the patience of the Lord. So let us jump in. Consider the grace of God in the anger of Jonah. Verse 1 begins with this phrase, But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. The initial question that you come to when you open the fourth chapter of this book is what does the it refer to? A little background. There has just been a great awakening in Nineveh. Chapter 3 of Jonah, Jonah has gone and preached five words, eight words in your English uh, Bibles, 40 days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. And he has gone and preached with unction by the Holy Spirit, and the people have turned in penitent faith to the Lord. And now that Nineveh has turned from their evil ways, we have just heard the declaration that Nineveh turned. Verses 6 through 9 recount all the people's fasting and turning. And then we see the Lord turn in verse 10. And when the Lord saw that they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster. Nineveh turned. God turned. And now we see Jonah turning. He has gone from rejoicing in his salvation, chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. He has gone from rejoicing in what God has done for him to sitting on a hillside in Nineveh, angry, exceedingly angry at this evil in his eyes. Often when people talk about the book of Jonah, they do not mention chapter 4. Because we love stories to end well. Don't you hate it when a movie ends on a sorrowful note? It is natural to long for good endings. 
But when you turn to the little prophet, you do not have a good ending. You have a prophet sitting in displeasure and anger. That the Lord is the Lord. And that He is not the Lord. Often we leave out chapter 4 because we do not like drama. And we do not like uneasy tension. But Jonah does not give you that pleasure. He wants, through an uneasy ending, to teach you a very important lesson about your response to God. So what is the it of verse 1? See what he says. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly. If you read your footnote, it was an exceeding evil to Jonah. What is the it? The it is chapter 3, verse 10. That God saw what the Ninevites did and He relented of the disaster. Jonah is displeased and exceedingly angry here because God has been merciful to Nineveh. I want you to notice the contrast here. God, through these first chapters, has been slow to anger. Slow to anger not only with His prophet, not only with those mariners, but with Nineveh. But Jonah's anger is immediate, isn't it? He's immediately angry. God relents and he immediately responds. And notice that God was angry with sinful humanity, but Jonah is angry with a perfectly righteous God. The contrast is stark. One is just anger, one is unjust. But there is a little progress in the prophet. See what happens in verse 2. The sign of progress as well as uh, regress is in verse 2. It says, first phrase, and he prayed to the Lord and said. Isn't that good? It took the prophet a long time to pray in the first two chapters. And now he goes out to the countryside when he is displeased. And his immediate response is to pray. His sanctification is working. His tree is growing, and He's producing fruit. That's something to praise the Lord about. But this great news of His progress is quickly noted with a problem. His prayer, see what it says, verse 2. He said, O Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. In his prayer, Jonah indicts God for being merciful, too merciful. And he justifies himself. He says, I knew you were going to do this. Which is why I ran away in the first place. Jonah's just preached to the toughest audience he's ever going to preach to. 
He's just preached to the Ninevites, which is the most ruthless city in the ancient Near East. The men who've invented crucifixion sitting in the city. And they, they responded positively down to the last person. And he has a furious meltdown. You almost get the picture that Jonah was hoping to be martyred. Like perhaps Latimer and Ridley on October 16th, 1555. When they were indicted for denying the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist and they were burned at the stake. You almost get the idea that Jonah was hoping they would just martyr him. But he doesn't get that pleasure. He preaches and they repented. And he says, I have been telling you this all along, Lord. Verse 2. This is what I said when I was yet in my country. I knew you were going to do this. And it's why I ran. Jonah is angry because of God, because of whom God was gracious to. Now, I want you to get the application of this point. Jonah had different scales of justice. He had one scale for how God should treat Israel. And he had another scale for how he should treat the Ninevites. That Israel in some way deserved and merited God's mercy, but everyone else deserved retribution for their sins. Get his scales. That Jonah, this prophet to the north of Israel, who's proclaimed salvation to the north and been a hero of a prophet, as recorded in Kings. Verse Kings. And, and, but he, he loves his people and he hates all others, especially Nineveh. We often have different scales of what is right. Have you ever been more critical on someone than you are on yourself? Perhaps it's someone you work with. They just start the job and they don't know what they're doing. And your temper flares. Forgetting that you once first started that same job. Or perhaps the manner in which you have spoken with your spouse, too sharp. And if they just were to speak that sharply with you, you would consider it a great injustice. Or perhaps some of you have different scales of justice for when you drive a car and how you think you should be able to drive and others should not be able to drive. You see... It's very easy to be very lenient upon ourselves and to believe that we are central in the universe and in God's economy and to think that that is not worthy of anyone else. But in God's economy, you recall the Apostle Paul's words that there is none righteous. No, not one. That none does what is right. 
that we have all turned aside, we have all done what is evil, that we have all fallen short of the glory of God. The truth is that we are much worse than we actually think. We think we are much better than we are. And we think that we have this special economy and we as should receive something that no one else should receive. But Jonah's problem is that he's already forgotten chapter 2. He has already forgotten that God has had great mercy upon him. He has saved him from the, the throes and the waves of death. From the wrath has been abated, sport upon the fish, and Jonah has been delivered. And now, when it, someone else is delivered from that same wrath, he is angry. If only Jonah did not have a spiritual amnesia, perhaps he would have been much more gracious. It is repeated throughout the Bible, and so I often repeat it. But many of us forget on Monday who we are and who we profess to be on Sunday. We are Christians. We have been saved by the sheer grace and mercy of the Lord Jesus in His incarnation and in His atonement and His resurrection and His ascension. And we are benefactors not of any works we have done, but benefactors of the work of the Son. But Monday comes and we have forgotten the grace of the Lord Jesus. We're short. Jonah forgets the mercy and the salvation of God. And so, what does he do? He berates God, believing that he is greater than he is. But Jonah's problem is more than simply berating God, he twists God's word. Just like in Genesis 3. Notice he quotes God's word to him in verse 2. He says, This is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, for I knew. What did you know? I knew what the word of God says. Genesis, uh, Exodus 34, verses 6. It is in quote verse 7. That you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and relenting from disaster in which you should say, Amen and Amen. But Jonah, you forgot verse 7, which says, following those words, that the Lord, the Lord, a God gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, keeping mercy for thousands of generations. But then it says, verse 7, but who will by no means clear the guilty? God's mercy is not given at the expense of His justice. But Jonah here says that, God, you have been merciful and you are not just. You hear the indictment of the prophet, but he's not indicting Israel. 
He's indicting his sovereign. Jonah's anger says that God does not act justly in his mercy. But the question that Jonah wrestles with here in verse 2 is not fully answered until your New Testament. When as we just sang, let us love and sing and wonder. Let us praise the Savior's name. He has hushed the law's loud thunder. He has quenched Mount Sinai's flame. Where does justice and mercy come? It comes in the death and the atonement of the Messiah. And Jonah here longs to have the answer. How can you justify such evil people? How can you be justified? Through Jesus. Bearing your wrath in scorn. And taking your death to give you His life. God in Christ is just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Aren't you grateful? God, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious and abounding in steadfast love, but not at the expense of His justice. I want you to consider the grace of God. Consider the grace of God in the anger of Jonah. But consider the grace of God in the patience of the Lord. Verse 3. Jonah petitions. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. In this petition, Jonah sets forth an ultimatum. Do you see it? Jonah is trying to coerce his sovereign into destroying the Ninevites or destroying him. If the Ninevites live, Jonah says, then I die. But if I live, they die. You choose, Lord. Which one? And it's really not a petition, it's an ultimatum, and not a choice, it's a direction for the sovereign. What's wrong with this picture? Well, the first thing that's wrong is who are you, O man, to direct the Lord of heaven and earth, proclaimed in chapter 1, to do any ultimatum? Matthew 20, Jesus sets forth the parable of the man the, who goes out and hires tenants and, and, and he hires some in the morning to come and prune the, uh, the, the vine, the vineyard, and then he goes and he hires more midday, some in the later evening. And then at the end of the day, he lines them up, those who began in the evening and goes all the way to those in the morning, and he gives them all the same wages. The Lord does whatever He wills. Whether you work one hour or ten. 
It's His prerogative. He is the one who is sovereign and dictates and has the authority. But it's important to notice that it is at this point, at this point in Jonah, God's people are susceptible not only to running away, chapter 1, but God's people are also susceptible to to making God into something He is not. And be very aware of this. Be shocked and be warned that you as a Christian might have an utterly wrong misapprehension of who God is. Jonah did. If God does not offend you, I've said this before, I'll say it again. Chances are you have a God of your own making. He calls none withstanding. The heavens themselves are impure in His sight. The angels in heaven veil their faces from His glory. God, we do not say, is like us. We do not take His eminence at the expense of His transcendence. His majesty is not reverted because He is eminently present with us. God is majestic in holiness. And we, in part, image Him but not in His totality. But I want you to see the mercy of God. That should honestly make us just shudder in verse 4. Verse 4, we see, we hear this phrase, the Lord speaks to Jonah. And the Lord said to Jonah, Do you do well to be angry? This is how you know the Bible is not written by men uh, just in general. Because if, if you and I were writing the Scriptures in and of ourselves, we would have wrote this to read something like this. And God said to Jonah, Who do you think you are? It is over. Right? But that's not what you hear. It's incredible after everything. Jonah's flight, God's pursuit, the great fish and the great deliverance, the Word of God coming again, restoring him as a prophet and sending him to the city. He's been patient time and time and time and time again. And here through, through everything Jonah's had, whether land or sea, depths or despondency, whether thanksgiving or in joy and now in anger, the Lord pursues his prophet. I hope that's an encouragement to you. God is patient. He is patient, patient, patient. And here we hear a seeking Redeemer coming to His prophet. And can't you hear this wonderful counselor? Do you do well? To be angry. Do you hear the wonderful counselor asking you to probe your anger in accord with his being? He says, Jonah, look at me and look at yourself. Do you do well 
God's patience and mercy produce every sunrise. The whole world lives in rebellion against the Lord of heaven and earth. And you and I and every living person steal from Him continually. Yet He causes the sun to rise on this evil world. Morning after morning after morning. God's patience. And somehow, we have the gall to complain and kick against Him. Of all people, should you and I truly complain? I wonder if you can identify with Jonah. And I wonder if perhaps the Lord has sat you down recently or perhaps even now this morning and asked you, do you do well? God is patient with you. And He's patient with me. And the great news is that His patience works in us all good things. Salvation for the unbeliever and hope for the believer. Aren't you grateful God is patient with you? The Lord calls to you and I this morning to ponder who we, how we have responded in light of who He is. Ultimately, the patience of God is displayed in a much greater way in the Lord Jesus. John, Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 14 says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, glory as of the only begotten Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And the Lord does not come to us simply in a question as He did to Jonah. But in Christ we see the Lord coming into the world to save this very people. To save a people who are lost. Israel who is blind. The nations who are waging war against the King of the universe. And this very King comes to reconcile us to Himself. And make us new. Jesus proclaimed that all who believe in Him would have God's wrath as the Ninevites abated from them and would receive inheritance as sons. There is immense mercy for you. There is grace beyond measure. Grace that as we read in the, in the assurance of pardon causes your sins which are higher than the heavens, to be counted as a mist. Immeasurable mercy for you lies in the bosom of God. Christian, run to Him and find all you need in this world of woe. But unbeliever, like Nineveh in the first two chapters, you yourself lay exposed to God's wrath. But I declare that there is impending judgment, a day that will come where all sin will be exposed, but God today offers grace to you. The God of all mercy here of Jonah, 
The same God yesterday, today, and forever offers mercy for you and calls you to believe on His Son and receive the benefits of Jesus. Forgiveness of sins, assurance of God's love, peace of conscience, joy in the Holy Spirit, increase of grace. There are great benefits for you. Do not run away from Him. And so brothers and sisters, consider the grace of God in the anger of Jonah and consider the grace of God in the patience of the Lord. May the Lord add His blessing to the Word of God. Let's pray.